just my joy and pleasure to be here. Our pastor's on sabbatical as we prayed for him already. So night number one, theme from night number one was, and from four weeks ago, was that God made you, right? God actually made you. That's number one. Remember, he made everything out of nothing. He made everything out of nothing, including us. Like, he was involved in the creation of you. And then the next night, so Tuesday night, so three weeks ago, it was God is for you. Remember that? God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? And that week we talked about the fact that the greatest barrier that needed to be overcome wasn't even our sin. It was the love that the Father had for the Son, taking the Son and putting the Son on the altar. So if He's done that, everything else comes along with it, right? If He's overcome His love by giving Him giving us the greatest gift, which is His Son, so also comes forgiveness and justification and righteousness and ultimately what Jesus said is everlasting life. If God is for you, who can be against you? And then last week we looked at day day number three, which is God is always with you. That He never leaves us, that He never forsakes us, that He was with Joshua, so He said, be strong and courageous, be bold in your conquering of everything and go forth. And then we spent a whole long time on the Great Commission where Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. So part of the fact isn't just the fact that God is with us like he's our friend in our time of need when we're suffering. That's true, but primarily he's put us on a mission and he's like, I'm with you when you go, therefore, into the nations, proclaiming the gospel to all people so that everyone has an opportunity. Every ethnos, every ethnic group has an opportunity to believe. Because the, the Bible, Jesus himself said, when they asked him, when will the end come? This gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all ethnic groups and then the end will come. It's not done yet. That's why today is still called today. One cool part about the fact that today is still called today is that people today, this very day, are being welcomed and wooed out of death and into life by putting their faith and trust in Jesus. Because they're hearing the gospel brand new this morning by the Holy Spirit, and they are being saved. That's awesome. So in part of me, like I was like, dude, I don't want, I want Jesus to come back before I get out of school, right? I don't want to have to get a real job or anything. So that's like me being selfish. But the reality of it is the more and more you come to know him, the more and more we say, Lord, even though this world is hard, even though there's suffering, even though there's tragedy, even though there's difficult weather storms and terrible things that happen through moral choices or evil at large, the church Every generation, I believe, as they come to know him, sings the same song of prayer. Have mercy on humanity, Lord, and if you're willing, delay another day so that another soul can come. But one day, the end will come. The last Gentile will come, and God will release his son to return to the earth. But today is still called today, so we need to be about the business that he is with us, proclaiming his truth. And today, day number four of BBS is... God will always love you. Let's say it together, ready? God will always love you. And so I love this. I was telling some of the people that were serving that God has a way of actually orchestrating stuff. You need to serve the Lord. Okay, listen, if you're a believer, you need to serve the Lord. By the way, if you're not a believer, you need to become a believer right now. Don't wait. 
And uh, by the end, you're going to hear the story again. You'll have an opportunity, hopefully by, the, by the, the power of grace and spirit, to do that. But you need to serve the Lord because the Bible says that our God is an invisible God. In fact, Moses was like, Lord, I want to see you. And what did God say to him? No one can see me, Moses, and live. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. We have hymns about this. Put you in the cleft of the rock, put my hand over the rock. I'm going to walk by and you can look at me from behind. Because then you won't, like, your eyes won't burn out of their sockets and your body won't stop working when you see me. So he's like, I'm going to do that. So, so we want to see the Lord. And, and if you're serving him, you'll have opportunities to actually see the invisible, invisible God put everything together. So he knew exactly what he was doing, planning to talk about the gospel when we're, when we're actually having a day where we celebrate communion together. It's a beautiful thing. And so uh, I have all the scripture verses actually on your study guides. If you didn't get one, we could probably get one in your hands. Uh, the, today... God will always love you. And I'm looking at the fact right out of John chapter 10 where Jesus actually talks about how he is the good shepherd. Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks for your truth. Your truth is a firm foundation. The earth that I stand upon, which is strong, is not a firm foundation as the words that you have put into your book. And so this morning I pray as we open up your truth that your spirit would come and visit us corporately and individually, even as he's doing throughout the entire world this morning, as the sun is rising and your people are gathering to make much of you, that you would make much of yourself this morning in our lives. And in so doing, whether we realize it or not, that you're expanding our faith, that you're, you're making a place for us to stand upon. You're making a place for us to build our house upon so that when the storms come, like Jesus said, that we don't have a weak foundation, but we have a firm foundation to trust in. And so this morning I pray, equip us, make yourself known in amazing ways, in the minuscule ways, Lord. Speak in Jesus' name. Amen. So we read the passage out of John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. And Jesus says that he was sent by the Father to the world. Sent by the Father to the world to redeem mankind out of the slavery of sin. Listen, that redemption, that reconciliation, that bringing us back, humanity, back into harmony with deity because God made us in his own image and we have been made, if you remember the plant illustration if you were here four weeks ago, we are not made to exist on our own. We need soil. We need water. We are dependent creatures. We are not made to exist on our own. We were meant to get all of our life and our roots are meant from the very beginning, Adam and Eve included, and you and I as well, to have our roots actually rooted in deity, in God. And all of our life we bring up, just like a plant, all of our life comes from Him. That way, when our roots are cut off, that's why John said, if you don't have the sun, you don't have life. You don't have any roots in life at all. You are completely cut off. I love how God, I I believe God made the creation, that the entire creation is proclaiming the gospel every single day to everybody. That way when we come and we sing the story that we're going to sing today about how Christ came and he gave his life and he died and then he was, and then he rose again, we're just adding the the, 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 um, icing on the cake of everything that they're being taught everywhere, every single day. 
It's not something brand new. The Bible says that, that we know. And so we come and we proclaim it. It is, it is something that they might not have heard, but it will not be a surprise to many. And many missionaries that have gone into places that have never heard the story of Jesus actually are like, wow, we've been waiting for you. Because we know the beginning parts, but we didn't get it all. And you just brought the whole song together for us when you got here. We want to thank you, Lord, for doing that. It's incredible. So, listen, salvation, the forgiveness of our sins, the washing away of everything that we've ever done wrong in the past, in the present, and in the future, free to you and me, free to you and me, but cost God everything. Cost Jesus everything. But he did that. Listen, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Ephesians 2, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Therein is the peace. Do you see it? The peace is the fact that he knew, God knew from the foundation of the world, it was going to cost him everything, but the driving motivation, the engine behind his coming, the engine behind the incarnation, the engine behind him in the Garden of Gethsemane, saying, Lord, if there's any way, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. The driving force behind his humiliation all the way to the cross and then to the grave and then to his exaltation in the resurrection is his love. All of it. It's his love. The love of the Father for you and me. The love of the Father for the world. The love of Christ for the Father and the love of Jesus specifically, like Ron said this morning, for you individually. Because Christ loved us, he gave himself up for us. Listen, we do not deserve this, right? We do not deserve this love. We do not. In Romans chapter 5, it says clearly, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners. Someone won't give himself up for a, even for a righteous man. We make movies about this, like about people that have like sacrificed themselves for others. We make movies about it. It sells all kinds of tickets. We love these stories about humans who are giving themselves up for other people. They're actually pictures, microcosms of the fact that we've been made in the image of God. Okay, So we do that for others. We lay ourselves down for others. We push other people out of the way when the car is coming, right? We're willing to do this in, many times in spot issues. But God says, while we did not deserve it, Christ died for us. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, see what kind of love the Father has given unto... Do I not have these verses up? Okay. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. There it is. The love of the Father for hum- humans. What kind of love does the Father have that even though we do not deserve it, he sends his son to us. And then, in the, in the end, 
Jesus even, or John actually wrote about this, that we have the ability to actually be called children of God when once we were his enemies, we were at enmity with him. We weren't just friends. We were like on the wrong side of the law. We were like in a place where we wanted nothing to do with him. In fact, we make choices that specifically try to deconstruct his beauty. We do it all the time. We do it all the time. When people live together and live in immorality before they get married, that's what they're doing. They're deconstructing the beauty of covenant. Don't you realize that? It's not about what is right or what is wrong. It's not so much about a man and a woman that's sleeping together, okay, and, and, and oh, that's immoral. Do you know why it's immoral? The core Is it evil? Is it evil? The evil part about it is the deconstruction of the beauty and glory of God. That is what the problem is, okay? It's not about the love of a man and a woman for one another. It's about the glory and beauty of God. All sin in and of its essence is us trying to deconstruct the beauty of God and to blur his glory and to blur his glory through our choices, okay? See what kind of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called children of God. So point number one, the love of the Father and Son for us, which I've just been building. Jeremiah 31, verse 3. You guys know this. This is a tower verse for some of us at certain times in our lives. I have loved you with an everlasting love. It knows no boundaries. I love that hymn that talks about the fact, like if the skies were made, or the sky was parchment, and the oceans were ink, I still couldn't use all of the water to write about how magnificent your love is for me. How magnificent it is. It's an overcoming love, a conquering love. In 1 John 4, 19, it says that we love, why? Because he first loved us. If you have any affection towards God at all, it's because of his love for you. You are like the moon, reflecting the love of God. We don't make that in and of ourselves. We are not the glory giver. We are the glory receiver and reflector. That's why the moon exists, by the way, to teach us that. The moon does not generate light in and of itself, although on some days it's glorious. There's another uh, eclipse coming up, right? There's another eclipse coming up. It's all in the news. Know that God is declaring and displaying his glory and teaching the world about himself through creation. He's doing that. It's a proclamation. All right. So the father loves the son. He loved us. We love because he first loved us. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, again, uh, the same verse I covered earlier, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. In John chapter 10, verse 17, Jesus said, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. This is crazy. This is like, this really is. And I say that biblically because at the end of John chapter 10, they're like, dude, this guy's, this guy's got a demon. When he talks like this, he is a lunatic. He's out there. He's way, way out there in never, never land. But check this out. It actually says that God loves Jesus, the Son, because of Jesus' love for us. It's a never-ending cycle between the Father and the Son through the medium of the Spirit. 
It says that God loves me because I love you. That's amazing. And I'm telling you, his love, as we've already seen, is an everlasting love. It's limitless. It knows no boundaries. So Jesus in John chapter 17 in his prayer says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given to me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. So before the foundation of the world, he loved you and me. And the Father loved him for, love, for his love for you and me. And they planned the incarnation. They planned it from the very beginning. Before he breathed life into the mud, he made it. He knew exactly what it was going to cost him, everything. He knew exactly what he was doing when he made trees. Like I said a couple weeks ago, he knew exactly that one of those tree seeds was going to fall into the earth that he made and it was going to grow and he was going to help it to grow and it was going to get cut down and made into a cross that he was going to hang his son on. He knew exactly what he was doing from the very beginning because of his love. Ephesians chapter 1. I love this. This verse is such, this, this, this whole chapter, it's like, the whole Ephesians chapter 1 is so worth reading. It's like this messed up, glorious, run-on sentence that just goes on about the beauty of God and his love for you and me and what he has done. This is only a couple of verses. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. If he gave us his son, what else is he going to hold back from us? You say, nothing. Oh, one more time. If he gave us his son, what else is he going to hold back from us? Not one thing. Not one thing. All blessings in heavenly places, even as God chose, the Father chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, even though we were his enemies, even though we're trying to... through our choices and through our thoughts, we're trying to strip God of his glory. We're trying to, we're actually making enemy decisions. He says, I'm going to choose him anyway. I'm going to choose Carrie anyway. And I'm going to bring him out of darkness and into the kingdom of my beloved son. I'm going to give him every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In love, here it is, in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. It's his desire to save you and me. It's his desire to forgive us and to give us everything. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called children of God. And yet that is what we are. And we need to let these verses wash over our soul and spirits because we forget these truths. We forget them. And I'll tell you why I know that we forget them. We don't live them boldly and courageously all the time. Like he said in Joshua, we don't always do it. We don't always reflect this beauty that he's given to us. That's okay. That's why he gave us the table as a reminder. But when I say okay, I mean that 
we repent. We live in a lifestyle of recognition of sin in us as an enemy with the desire to see it crucified and it to become less and less and God to become more and more. And he's given us the ability to do that. Point number two, Jesus' suffering was his own choice. He did this in love. Listen, we're like making all kinds of movies about superheroes. I, I think probably like 30 to 40% of the, of the movies are entertainment that we're producing out of Hollywood and stuff. It's all like superhero movies. All kinds of superheroes. Some of them do this. Some of them do that. Some of them have this. Some of them have that. Some of them rescue people from this. Others rescue people from that. They're all over the place. And I'm telling you, all of those things, all of them, and some of them are pretty fun. I'm it. We, we sing a song at VBS, the kid's favorite song. It's called Superhero. Jesus is my superhero. Jesus is my superhero. Better than Spider-Man. And we've got to do like these little things. And I'm telling you, what you see here in John chapter 10 is phenomenal because Jesus makes all of those fictional superheroes look so lame in comparison to what he does in John and in the gospel. And here's Jesus' suffering was his own choice. Look at John chapter 10. No one has taken my life. It is my life. No one takes my life. I lay it down on my own initiative. Do not think that the authority of Pontius Pilate or the authority of the Sanhedrin or any of the cohort of the warriors that came to arrest Jesus, that they had anything to do with him as far as going forward. Like, like they had the authority to overcome and stop the king of glory. He made those decisions by himself. In John, he actually, when they came and he said, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am. They all fell down. And before Pontius Pilate, when Pontius Pilate said, do you not realize that I have the authority to put you on the cross? He said, you would not have that authority, Pontius Pilate, unless you had received that authority from my father who is on high. You are under the authority of my father. Thus, you are under my authority as well. I have the ability to lay down my life. The scourging did not take his life. The spear did not take his life. The nails did not take his life. He did not stop breathing because of physiological abuse to his body. He laid it down of his own accord. He is the only and original human superhero in the world. He is it. He had the ability to do that. And he teaches right here that he had that choice to do it. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to pick it back up again. Like, he's not the same as you and I, okay? He is in many respects. He is in many respects. But I'm telling you, God has not told me that at any time that I want to, I can actually make myself stop breathing. And that at any time that I want to, I can raise myself back up from the dead. In fact, I say that I didn't start until I started in my mother's womb. But he had this promise before he even was created in the womb of Mary. He had this promise. He knew what he was getting into before he got into the womb. Okay, He had received the promise 
He had received it. And at some point in time, as he grew in his humanity, the father reminded him of this promise, I say. Reminded him of the ability that he had to lay down his life for his sheep and then to take it back up again. And in bold courage and for the joy set before him, he did this. Jesus was choosing each step. He was embracing the father's will and he was demonstrating his own love for us as well as the father's love to the world. The charge to take on our sin on the cross and his punishment and the humiliation of it all was not burdensome. It was fueled by his love for you and for me and for everyone who will call upon the name of the Lord. Every single one. Romans chapter 5, verse 18. Therefore, as one trespass, this verse, I'm telling you, this verse bothers me so much in my humanity but it's also so glorious. Through one choice, Adam's choice to eat that piece of fruit, there came condemnation to all men. But through one act of righteousness, it also leads to justification and life for all men. Which was greater? Which was greater? He came to reverse and overcome, and I say not just to restore Garden of Eden, we're going beyond, people. It's going to be something greater than that. It's greater than what was in the Garden of Eden. What's coming? What's coming is greater. This is not a distant choice. You are not a, a face in the crowd of billions. It was for you and me personally. He decided the hour. He walked into it willingly. He knew exactly what he was doing, and it was all out of love for his sheep. He had the authority to lay down his life, and he had the authority to pick it back up again. So when the father, when he was on the cross, and the father told him, you have finished the justification, and the punishment has been, is sufficient, you can lay down your life at this point in time, and, and embrace death for all human beings, he was able to do it. Thus, they did not have to break his knees or his legs on the Passover because there was a holy day, remember? That's why the other two men had to have their legs broken. We don't want them hanging on the cross for days while we're trying to celebrate the glory of God. That kind of stuff, people hanging on crosses, is, is an abomination, and we can't have that happening. So we need to get them off of there. And so they came to Jesus, the, the soldiers did, and they found that he was already gone. And so then he pierced his side with the spear. Let's just make sure, just in case he's just fainted up there and I can't see him breathing. And, wa- and blood and water flowed out from his side. Jesus chapter Jesus' resurrection confirms his love. In John chapter 10, verse 18, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. He gave it to me. Can we choose when we die? Can we choose to raise ourselves back up to life once we die? Jesus could, and he did it. 
He raised himself from the dead according to the promise of what God had told him his mission was to do. By the way, you and I have missions as well. He controlled his ability to come out of the grave. And if he controlled his ability of when he came out of the grave, he controlled his ability of when he went into the grave. And all of this was because of his love for you and for me. I love art, though, don't you? It, it reflects like it reflects the beauty and of of when we see. Some of you are gifted in so many different ways. Some of you have like computer gifts. You're just playing games all the time with them. Use it. Let God redeem it. See Him and translate your vision that He's given you uniquely into something glorious so that others can see his beauty through your eyes as well. He gave his life for us. This is my closing verse. It's in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. <clears throat> for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family on heaven and on earth derives its name. Yes, even yours and mine that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend, this is so glorious, with all the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond anything that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Ephesians 3.20, one of my favorite verses in the New Testament. It goes hand in hand with Joshua 1. Be strong and courageous because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything that we could ask or even think. And in the context of which that verse is given, it's for you and me to know His love. He can do it beyond anything we could ask or even think. And it will change you in an instant. And it will change you again when you see it again. And it will change you again when you come to the table again. And it will change you again when you come to the table again. And it will empower you unto boldness to love with a supernatural love that you have seen those around you. So when you have one penny in your pocket and the needy person comes to you and says, I need a million dollars, you take the penny out and you say, I got it, it's right here. And the penny becomes five million because he's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything we could ask or even think. Let's pray. Father, I ask for those who know you today, that you would give them boldness in the knowledge of your love. And Lord, once again, if there's anyone here that hasn't actually received that forgiveness, they're plugged into all the wrong things. They're like that computer with all the wires and they keep trying to plug things in. They're looking for you. Give them the faith to cry out this morning. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I need you. 
Lord, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for willingly taking on my punishment, for going into the grave and embracing death on my behalf and then being raised again so that I might be confident in your forgiveness. We praise you this morning in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.